Hello, and welcome to the American Writers Museum podcast, where we bring the power of the written word straight to your ears. Last week, we talked with middle grade fantasy author Adriana Cuevas. This week, AWM facility supervisor Christina Carrera chats with former U.S. Poet Laureate Juan Felipe Herrera about his new collection, Every Day We Get More Illegal. We hope you enjoy entering the mind of a writer. Hi, folks. My name is Kerry Cranston. I am the president of the American Writers Museum, um, and we're very thrilled to have you join us for this virtual program with former U.S. Poet Laureate Juan Felipe Herrera in honor of his new book, Every Day We Get More Illegal. Um, now, at this point, I'd like to introduce Christina Carrera uh, from the American Writers Museum, who will be interviewing our special guest today. So I'm going to hand it over now to Christina. Thank you, Carrie, and welcome, everyone, especially our students. For more information about our education programming, please visit our website at AmericanWritersMuseum.org. This is the latest program in our Jean and John Rose series, My America, Immigrant and Refugee Writers Today. You can see the exhibit of the same name online, along with educational resources and downloads at my-america.org. Today, we'll be speaking with Juan Felipe Herrera. In 2015, he was appointed the 21st United States Poet Laureate, the first Mexican-American to hold the position. In a statement of choice, Librarian of Congress James H. Billington said Herrera's poems contained Whitmanesque multitudes that championed voices and traditions and histories as well as cultural perspectives that served to illuminate our larger American identity. Herrera grew up in California as a son of migrant farmers, which he has commented strongly shaped his work. A Washington Post article tells a story that, as a child, Herrera learned to love poetry by singing about the Mexican Revolution with his mother, a migrant farm worker in California. Inspired by her spirit, he has spent his life crossing borders, erasing boundaries, and expanding the American chorus. Herrera is the author of 30 books, including collections of poetry, prose, short stories, young adult novels, and picture books for children. His latest book of poetry is Every Day We Get More Illegal. Welcome, Juan Felipe. We are thrilled that you have joined us. Well, thank you so much. It's a great pleasure to be here with, uh, with you and the uh, American Writers Museum and all the students and teachers, everyone. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, definitely. So tell me about your journey that inspired this book of poems. Oh, this particular book of poems? Uh, this book of poems, every day we get more illegal. Uh, you know, I wanted to write in a very direct fashion. I wanted to write directly at the reader. So if you, if you read it, it's, it's almost like uh, uh, the book is talking to you or the poems are talking to you. That was my goal. And because uh, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm experimenting most of the time. I experimented quite a bit in this book, uh, but not in not in terms of language. It was more in terms of being more direct, and uh, and of course, what I wrote about. And what inspired the book really was, uh, you know, that feeling of every day we sense that things get more, uh, uh, they get tighter. Uh, there's more restrictions. Uh, in particular, the migrant experience and that, the, the experience of uh, all of us in general. Uh, instead of more openness, there seems to be more, uh, uh, the doors seem to be bigger and tighter and more locked up uh, in more ways than one. So I, I wanted to, um, 
to uh, to think about that. And uh, I wanted I want to have the readers and everyone reflect on those things. You know, what kind of nation are we? Uh, what is America? Who are we? And to embrace this, and you know, to create the biggest embrace possible uh, for everyone and and uh, for the whole earth and for nature and and uh, all of us together. So that's that's the impulse uh, in the in the in the collection. Definitely wonderful. <laughs> and also thinking about it, what do you think about the label illegal and the effect that it has had on the immigrant's identity? Well, you know, it's not a good thing to call people illegal to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, acts acts can be actions can be illegal, perhaps. Yes, actions can mm-hmm. be illegal, uh, but how can people be illegal? That's we're reducing when we call someone illegal. We're we're reducing that human being into who knows into a little shred of a phrase in a piece of paper, and a human being is not a phrase in a piece of paper. A human being is a beautiful being uh, with many dimensions, not not just a legal status, with many dimensions, a father, a mother, a child, a son, a daughter, a grandmother, a grandfather, uh, a farmer, a worker, an artist, a poet, a student. Uh, we have many dimensions, not just a few words on a piece of paper that say illegal. And I also wanted to uh, to uh, to invite uh, invite uh, peace invite uh, unity as opposed to create uh, division. So those, that's, that's uh, where the title comes from and also comes from a lot of concern. Like all of us, we'll have concerns and we all notice what's going on, uh, in particular young people. You know, you notice everything. People, you know, students notice everything because they have very open, open hearts and open senses. Uh, so that's... Uh, so those are some of my uh, uh, ways of uh, bringing together this poetry. Sure, and yeah, you really did humanity in people in your in your poems. Yes, I found the I found a haunting aspect to the poem "Todavía estoy aquí" that the poor father said, "He's gone, but he's still present in his shadow self." Can you talk to me about this binding connection to family and home, regardless of borders and forced separation? Well, you know, every family is a family. Every family is a family. Even if you feel distant, you're still a family. Even if you rejected somebody in the family or you just feel like you just want to be alone, you're still with that family. And when you get forcibly and violently ripped apart, imagine your feelings. Imagine. I remember being in um, in uh, Wyoming, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, I, I've gotten invited to go to Jackson Hole a couple of times. And I visit high schools, and I visit teachers, and I visit community centers, and I also walk around doodling around like a poet always doodles around. And you want to see the mountains, and you want to see the people, and you want to see the city. I talked to students in this particular time, and one of the students, a Latino, and I think it was like in 11th grade, and probably Jackson Hole High School. I think that's perhaps the name of it, but it was a high school in Jackson Hole. And uh, he was talking about his migrant experience and this whole border division issue. And he, and he said that he felt as if another half of him was left behind. Yeah. Another half, he's still out there and he's also over here in the United States. But that out there part of him is still there. So it's like you're no longer whole. You're no longer one person. You're, 
part of you is over there. You, you live there. Your family is there. Or you have families there. And you're also in school here in California or in Wyoming. So you, you're kind of floating. And that's an odd feeling. And, and it works against our sense of who we are. And we, we feel cracked and divided internally. And that creates a lot of tension. It creates anger. It creates uh, unhappiness. And that's not the way we want to be. We want uh, our peoples to be. We want our students to be. Yeah. Yeah, much of your writing, we get a close look at these experiences. Um, which also brings me to, to, you write about terrible injustices, as in the poem, Order Fever, 105.7 Degrees, which is dedicated to migrant children that have died in custody. In these poems, we also see possibility. You know, come with me ends with esperanza, hope. Uh, what do you say about that contrast? Well, those are the, those are realities in our lives, aren't they? They're realities mm-hmm. in our lives. You know, uh, we we want to be together. We want to invite people into our lives. We want to create a very intimate relationship with with, uh, with what's going on and with each other. Uh, we want to be close. We want to have friends. It's so joyful, don't you think? To have friends that goof around and make funny sounds with your, you know, <laughs> with your voice and scream. And also be, you know, really have a great conversation about what's really, how you're really feeling. Um, but then again, uh, let's say your little brother got taken away at the border. And all of a sudden you can't have those conversations because you're, you're so concerned about your little brother and that little brother gets taken to a jail. Imagine how you would feel. And then that little brother gets a fever or little sister. And no one no one takes care of your little sister or little brother. And the fever keeps on going up and up and up and up till it hits 105.7. And then that little child dies. So, you know, it's good to write about those that are suffering. Because we want to give, uh, we want to talk about them because it wasn't right. So we want to bring that out into the world and say, look, we have to stop this behavior of taking people apart. And look at this child. What did he do? What did she do? What did she do? Nothing. And what happened to her? Everything. And what happened? Where is she now? She passed away. She's no longer there. So that's, um, I get into that because I want to, um, I just don't want to talk about you know, fun things and experimental things. I love to experiment with language. I mean, that's my delight. It's like painting a car or painting a mural, <laughs> a car. Uh, but I also want to talk about reality. See, we just live in that candy world. It's okay. Those are beautiful colors. Candy colors, you know, they're purple and blue yeah. and pink. And, you know, trolls, you know, the movies. And that's great. I love those colors. My granddaughter just goes bananas. But we also have to look at reality. We can't run from it. If we run from it, we don't face it. We're not going to be full human beings. There's pain. And then there's pleasure. And there's happiness. So as human beings, we have to work all of that. We have to face the pain. Those that are outside our family, in particular, we have to reach way out there. Way out there. Otherwise, we're working inside a small bubble, a tiny box. What kind of human being is that? We'll have fun. We'll enjoy. But it'll be a little tiny box. And guess what happens? We're not going to grow and become full human beings. Why? 
because we missed reality. And what is reality? It has pain, suffering, joy, happiness, many cultures, many languages, many religions, many people, LGBTQ+. It has all that. So full human being embraces the entire, uh, the entire world, all of humanity. And then you'll feel what happiness really is. So I don't want to forget about that, and I know you don't either. So, and that's why I write about it. Wonderful. Thank you. And we also, uh, you also peer into some of the possible causes. In your poems, there are references to mechanisms of detachment elements, the machinery of the border control, the apparatus under the wall, the weaponized hormigas. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about these inhuman systems that you observe? Well, you see, you see, you see where I go now. You see what yeah. I've been writing now. <laughs> we have to, we have, <laughs> you know, you know, Christina. We have to examine everything. You know, sure. as, right? We have to examine stuff. You know, I, I always have walked around. You know, people, you know, be, making jokes, and I love to be funny, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. In high school, you know, I, I draw cartoons on my papers. I'm writing a paper, you know. I, philosophy paper, summer school. I lived a block from summer school. So, you know, I went, I took summer classes because what am I going to do, you know, next to a barbershop? You know, go to a barbershop and get haircuts all the time? <laughs> so I took a philosophy class, and uh, I love that class, you know, Schopenhauer, Descartes. It's just on and on. I just fell in love with that kind of thinking, deep thinking and sure. examination. I hope I'm. I hope I'm going to get the point here. <laughs> so I would, put in a, I would put in a paper and I put cartoons on the margins. Then I would say, yeah. well, "Professor Whiteman, um, it's okay if I put cartoons on my paper." He said, oh, "Come on, for sure. Just turn in your paper, will you?" Uh, and so I, I, I like to be funny and draw cartoons, but uh, I also like to uh, to investigate. And this whole idea of the border system. I said, what is yeah. it? You know, what is that thing? Okay, there's borders, sure. all right. Uh-huh, there's a wall. There's a wall, uh-huh. And there's a, a, a immigration custody patrol, ICE, and there's border yeah. agents. I know since I was a child. I mean, I faced that crossing the border, and I faced it in California with my parents. Sure. But what what is it really, right, students? Right, right? You know, we want to find out what is that thing. Uh, and it really is a system. And it's connected to everything else we do. And the physical border is all over the United States, as you know. You can you can drive from uh, El Paso, Texas, uh, north to uh, Colorado, and you're going to run into more border stops with dogs and with border patrol and with cameras and with uh, interrogation beyond the U.S.-Mexican border official border. So it's a complete system. And it's also how we think. Don't forget, it really is who we are. Those borders reflect who we are. Why? Because we agree to it. We're not, you know, right now we're not complaining about it. And that's an agreement. Silence is an agreement. So, So we're all involved in what that border is. And what it turns out to be is who we are. Everything that's that we approve of is who we are, right? You say, hey, I, I, I really like that ice cream, that triple-colored ice cream. I love that. So that represents who you are, what you like sure. and what you love. So so that's what I'm doing. With, that's what I say about the border as a system. And uh, it's also connected to, to violence. 
a lot of violence takes place at the border. I know uh, uh, many of us approve of the border, but it also contains violence. And I don't think you approve of the violence. Uh, physical abuse, abuse of women, abuse of children, uh, and on. You know, it's if you want to approve the border, then approve of uh, a more compassionate border. However, I want to think of a new kind of nation because we need to think of the you know the new generation. We all need to think of of the new idea. We're here for to create a new idea of who we are, not just the same idea. You don't want the idea of my generation from the 60s. That was a fun generation. <laughs> you want a 21st century idea. And what is it? Is it the same? Is it just another stronger, more highly funded idea that uh, the, of the border and who we are as America? Or do you want a new idea, a more compassionate idea, a more inclusive idea? See, that's where you come in. So analysis is always important. Asking yourself, who are we? Who am I? Uh, how do I perceive the world? What is real for me? And what is fantasy for me? And what is good for me? And what is right for me? And what is right in society? And what's not working in society? And what? how can I bring about, how can I affect that? How can I bring my uh, values, my positive values, into play with my writing. Because who else has has the kind of writing instruments that you do? Very few people. Tablets and computers and cell phones and and, and, and all the systems and programming of, a, of, uh, of, the, uh, of the technology. And who knows it more than students and professors that teach in schools and here at the Writing Museum? Not everybody. Very few people. We would think everybody does. Not true. And globally, very few people. So, so you have the technology, you have the new, the new fresh brains, and you have the teachers and the schools and the libraries and all the books and all the studies. So who's going to have that new idea? Most likely, you have access to creating that new idea. And that's why I speak of the border in those ways. I'm trying to come up with... Uh, a new way of talking about it, and perhaps change. That's what we're after. We're always after change. Yes. And you have so much experience as an activist. Um, has that really shaped your writing, being an activist, uh, move, to move forward in action? Uh, yes, it has. You know, uh, when, I, when I went to uh, UCLA out of uh, high school, imagine me. I never thought I was going to go to UCLA. I was just diddling around the hall, and my counselor said, Hey, Juan, what are you doing in the hall? Uh, I'm just hanging out with Oscar. Well, you know, you should be at uh, Mrs. Cunningham's office. I go, Oh, because, you know, she has applications for UCLA. Oh, <laughs> okay. And uh, they're given affirmative action uh, scholarships, four years. Juan, your grades are, you know, they're okay. Uh, okay, Mr. Weiss, uh, okay. So that was me. <laughs> I filled it out, and then I got a big old giant envelope, two-pound envelope, that said, hey, congratulations. Uh, you're invited to the student orientation, and we look forward to seeing you in the fall. Uh, so I had never been in a university, and my mother only went to third grade, uh, being a farm worker, uh, and my father never went to school at all. He was born in 1882, 
So what kind of schools were that you have in 1882, you know? And especially if you're just a laborer, you work with your hands all the time. There was no, no schools, no schools. Working on the railroad was his school. Uh, working in the ranches in Wyoming was his school. And always being a farm worker all his life. All his life, in his 70s. Farm worker, imagine, 100, 102 degrees, and with your bed, just bent down, chopping uh, grapes all day. I couldn't do five minutes. But, you know, so um, I've always been concerned about uh, uh, people, uh, about because I grew up in a family that kind of went through tough times. So then I said, I want to change. I want to change that. And also when I was at UCLA, um, the farm workers movement came into being. Uh, you know, the wages, uh, the treatment, the pesticides, the pay, and all that, and uh, the suffering of uh, farm workers. I go, I don't want that to be the way that is. And by that time, I had kind of finally got up on, you know, in front of campus, uh, in campus, standing up and, and reciting poems as best as I could. Don't, don't, don't think I was Mr. Smoothie up there. Okay. My voice, you know, my voice gargled and squeaked. Uh, I sounded like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. And, uh, but I, I attempted it because I had this kind of burning need to just get it out because I grew up, I grew up on the outside of towns and, and the little trailers. And I never was inside a town, right? You always want to be inside. Like at high school, you go, hey, how's it going? Yeah, all right. Uh-huh, what do you think? Yeah. You want to be with friends. But when you're outside, well, you don't really have friends because you're way outside of everything. You may have people you see in school, but then you got to go all the way out there. And that's it. Uh, so, so by the time I was at UCLA, I was ready to to say stuff uh, because I had swallowed it, you know, many a time. So that's how it works, you know. So we got to speak up. Uh, Speak up with a kind heart, yes. Absolutely. And you want to say your writing career is so prolific as we have uh, mentioned short stories, poetry, novels, so many genres. What's your writing practice that makes this possible? Well, I write every day, and I scribble every mm-hmm. day, and I have all kinds of paper and pens and colored pencils. I might as well, you know, just li- live in this little studio that you're looking at. Um, I try not to, because, you know, I have a family, by the way, <laughs> uh-huh. grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Yes. 14, gra- 14 grandchildren. How many is that? Uh, 14. And around four great-grandchildren. One, two, three, four. And uh, so... But I, I, I write a lot and scribble. You know, don't think I write these big papers every day. I just scribble, put a few words on paper, and just follow. I just follow those words. And I draw big circles with, with uh, markers, you know, big old circles. Then I, I, you know, draw across them like a pizza. And then I write on the, on the spokes of, of the inner circle in, in a color pen. I just like doing that. Maybe it's 10 words worth. And then I, you know, take a big old sheet of paper. It's newsprint. Then I write, draw, I, I write one as best as, as often as I can. And the reason I write for children and toddlers and, and middle school and uh, adults and all that is because I, I, I figure if I, if I can, no one says stop, by the way, right? If someone says stop writing, 
I'll go, I'll probably stop for a little bit and wonder why they're saying that. But if not, I want to continue. So if you don't see a stop sign, don't create one for yourself. Uh, explore. That's what we are. We're explorers. So I, I made an attempt to write for middle school. It's called, in high school, it's called Crash Boom Love. That's <laughs> <laughs> a heavy book. Wow. <laughs> it's called Crash Boom Love. And there's a big old crash in there. And it hurts. It really hurts uh, the people in it badly, badly. And there's one called Skate Fate. I gave this one my best. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I was a skateboarder, so (laughs) I looked at that. It was great. (laughs) Hey, I couldn't do it. You're you're brave. I couldn't do it. I'd be flying out of that skateboard. So the more more we experiment, the more audiences we reach. And that's what we're here for as writers, to to reach audiences and, and families. But, but congratulations, congratulations on skateboarding. Thank you. I don't do it anymore. I'll try to. <laughs> well, these are the questions I have for today so far. Um, would you like to read for us now? Yeah, sure. For sure. I'd like, I like to read for you. Do you want me to yes. read out of Crash Room Love? Do you want me to read out of Skate Fig? Or do you want me to read out of uh, Every Day We Get More Illegal? Well, let's start with Every Day We Get More Illegal. Okay, let's start with Every Day We Get More Illegal. And remember, this is a book kind of addressed to the reader, uh, addressed to America. And um, mm -hmm. so let me read you just, let me read you the first, the very first one. It's called America, We Talk About It. Every Day of the Week. It is not easy. First I had to learn over decades, to take take care of myself. Are you listening? I had to learn. I had to gain pebble by pebble, seashell by seashell, the courage to listen to myself, my true inner self. For that I had to push you aside. It was not easy. I had pushed aside my mother, my father, Myself, and that artificial way, that artificial stairway of becoming you, to be inside of you. After years, I realized perhaps too late, there was no way I could bring them back. I could not rewind the clock, but I did. I could do one thing. I could care. Now we are here. So that's the opening poem. Wonderful. You want me to read some more or have the Yeah, let's read some more. Uh, you want to read from one of the high school books or mix okay. it up? Okay. Uh-huh. Okay, here we go with Crash Boom Love. Great, thank you. you you're just fully 100% welcome. And this is called Broken Fingernails. How does that sound? That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> this takes place... Outside of the, outside of high school, right on the outside, where there's a little, you know, little markets and little places to to do stuff. And the character is uh, his friend. His character's name is Caesar, and his friend is called Miguel. Miguel and I walk without saying a word. We walk as if underwater, as if we were dead leaves or algae floating to the other side of the shore. 
I can feel a wave from behind me about to suck me into its icy depths. I'm going down, empty, sad, sad desert behind Lucky's mini-marts. The new guy circles me, the new guy at school. The new guy circles me, his hand flapping in front of him, fanning air into his face. Dark, head-shaved, he stares and burns his eyes. The mini-mart is our basilica, a dirt palace where our bodies cross and go up in flames. New guy floats. Here's my altar. Here's my mirror. I have seen his face before. Hard, glassy, reddish eyes, his high cheekbones and his tight lips, his small ears, ready to track any sound of raindrop or wisp of sand, and his nose, thin, a bit hooked, his forehead clean, smooth, blank, he is sure. His shoulders, a small, proud box in brown, long strides, he moves like a cat, a dark spinning fur with his eye, and with eyes that holler and growl and spark torches without a word. I can see Sammy in the circle. Sammy's a friend of his. I can see Sammy in the circles around us. I can see Miguel in his tiny, worried frames. He wrings his hands like towels. And Lulu, bow-legged in white overalls, jelly pumps, and Carlos Johnson, another dude, head, headphones on, quiet. And Miguel Ortega snarls, hollers to the new guy, kick his butt. He's a scrapper, a wetback, and he spits on me. He swings and slams my nose. He swings and I go down to the dirt, chokes me, bashes my head against the ground. I'm drinking dirt and little pieces of wood. My face is dragging against pebbles and rocks, tears and hot blood and laughter, slapping hands, high fives and long stretched voices. Cries circle and cries circle around me. My mother's face, who knows crooked English, English, and my father's face, who leaves me in a knot in my empty living room back home. And Mrs. Tinkle, my teacher, and Mr. Santos, my teacher, who doesn't speak Spanish, and Shane, who stomps on my new shoes, and my naked body that everybody sees in a veil of steam and shame, sprawled on the sand in the dark copper light. Lulu lunges toward me. Stop it, man. Man, it's over, all right? Yes, Tuvo, that's it, she yells out. Come on, Chavala, the new guy tears my shirt. Let's finish it. Come on. Jump back to the circle of hits and gravel bites and heat and slams. Lulu pulls me back hard. Her black fingernails break off. Maybe I'm my mother's womb again. Maybe I'm about to be born, about to die. I'm alone. My knuckles raw. My face watery. Everyone's gone. Everyone except Miguel. Miguel Sotzil. Thank you so much. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. When you fight in the school and, and get to land. But, you know, I wanted to make it a, as, as real as I could. Thank you so much, Juan Felipe. The words are so inspiring. And... Um, well, I want to thank everyone for joining us today. Uh, we're happy to have had so many members and students join us. If you'd like to purchase a book, Every Day We Get More Legal, through our bookselling partner, yeah. Seminary Co-op. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see everyone back again for our next program. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you for listening to this episode of the American Writers Museum podcast. Next Monday, in recognition of Indigenous Peoples Day, we'll air a conversation 
and performances by Native poets, songwriters, and musicians Frank Walm and Tanea Winder. Now go, be inspired, and find the mind of a writer in yourself. <laughs>